0: Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here.
1: Do you feel your intuitive capabilities have taken a bit of a bashing over the past couple of years? Has the density of Earth's emotional field created by us feel like it's keeping the finer parts of our spirit down? Okay, then. Well, Kedrick Olson is with us today to help us reconnect with our higher capacities, even in the midst of madness.
2: And this is madness. Madness. Oh, indeed there's a lot of fun stuff going on right now
1: <laughs> it's so hard for people to navigate through especially once you our, our frequencies start becoming engaged in stories and they start we start on a downward spiral literally kind of our of our own personal devolution of sorts because we've attached into these these stories and this confusion, mass confusion. So I want you to help us square that away and get back, get, get back on the right path again. So, Kedrick, last time we had you on, we talked about your work with runes and North mytho- Norse mythology and, and so forth. This time we're going to get into the Kedrick Olsen prequel to your life, <laughs> because it's really interesting. Most kids didn't have your kind of life. Indeed. So let's start with your mom, and her taking you to kind of uh, paranormal sensitivity training lessons, and from there we'll go on.
2: Oh, yeah. Both of my parents are really super into the paranormal, supernatural, psychic stuff, especially my mom. She was a professional astrologer for a while, and one of my favorite memories of her is back in the old days of computers when you were programming in BASIC, she was writing astrology programs in BASIC. Oh. And she so she was she, very skilled. Very skilled. She'd been around this for a long time. And when they knew that I was picking up psychic abilities and was communicating with spirits and I had this insight coming in, they weren't quite sure what to do about it. They just knew it was there. So at a young age, they started taking me to psychic development classes. There was a a local psychic here by the name of Joe Rock. He used to own a bookstore called Bell, Book, and Candle. And he would do regular psychic classes at uh, the local community college. And it would, you know, a class everywhere from three to twenty people, but we were always there. And, so, you know,
1: so, how old were you when this began? Oh, when it began! Wow. When she first started, you taking taking you to, you know, people who might assist you to
2: development, whatever they were called. Oh yeah, let's even go way back to elementary school. Okay. I remember when I was even maybe a toddler, having memories of this one church my parents went to. And you know, kids, we don't know what we're thinking when we're toddlers, right? But then when I was in elementary school, my parents. Explored different churches and settled on a Lutheran church for a while because oh, I
1: was raised that's yeah. dur. Very yeah. dour, very <laughs> dour.
2: Yeah, they wanted to be normal, they yeah. wanted me to fit in, they wanted you know the family to fit in, oh, so yeah. they wanted to be normal. And I remember distinctly being on the playground with my imaginary friends, yeah. And everyone else's imaginary friends would you know they'd play house, they play on the swings, they play. Other games, mine were like, no, this is the nature of reality. Here are five levels of existence, and here are the things that are going on. I'm like, okay, great. So they're teaching <laughs> me all of these things. And eventually got to the point where I, my clairvoyance is kicking in. I'm seeing things and able to describe lights coming in and spirits coming in and what they're saying. And my parents kind of went, all right. Let's go back to our old church. So my mom had us go back to a church that was a spiritualist church. I was going to say, it sure wasn't the Lutheran church. Nope. You'd had to pay for those sins. Nope. They <laughs> went back to their old church. It was uh, called the Temple of Harmony.
1: Oh, interesting. Spiritualist okay. church. Yeah.
2: It's here in Denver. And it was your typical Protestant, stand up, mm-hmm. sit down, stand up, sit down kind yeah. of thing. And for a while, I did go to the Sunday school, so it was pretty normal. But eventually, I just said, no, I don't want to be there. I want to go see what's going on here. And after church session would conclude, the service would conclude, there would be one to three mediums would go up on stage, sit down, go into a deep trance, and do trance channeling. And that was a normal part of wow. the services. And then eventually my parents said, fine, we'll go to the other thing that they do, which was every Saturday night in the church basement, they would have a big seance.
1: Okay, so now how old are you when you go to your first seance? Mm,
2: I was probably eight, nine years okay. old. Okay,
1: so... Kedrick's now at a seance, a little eight, nine-year-old. OK, let's talk about what, how you experienced that from that age.
2: That was a very interesting developmental process for me, because one of the critical awakening moments I had was a seven-year-old at my grandmother's house for the one and only night I stayed over at her house, back when she had HBO that was on a satellite dish. And my sister, who is seven years older than I am, really wanted to watch The Exorcist. Oh. So here I am, a seven year old with awakened abilities. Right. And now I'm watching The Exorcist. Well, that's harsh. But what was good about it, long term, you know, 2020 hindsight, we yeah, look yeah, back. Yeah. That night I was in a room by myself, pitch black, completely thinking about that movie. But I forced myself to be aware of every level of consciousness I had, stepping myself down into sleep, coming back up if I was going too slow or going too fast and just slowly going back in and being aware of what my thoughts were, my awareness was. So with that baseline of what The Exorcist was and saw The Exorcist scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. But now I'm like eight, nine years old in seance going, okay, I know what I'm experiencing all the time, but now we're doing this for real. So I'm like quaking it's in so my in a boots. So way, did really that movie
1: going, kind of prepare you for the experience? It
2: really did because it helped me realize what my thoughts were versus the external thoughts. Okay. So that when I'm sitting in seance, I now know it's my fear Versus, there's nothing scary in the room, right? And you know, something like eight, nine, even ten-year-old kid is not sitting there going, "This is my fear." I'm processing, but now I'm in the room going, "There's nothing scary in the room." But wait a minute, I'm f- afraid because it's dark and I'm scared. And there's, but there's nothing in the room. And I go back and I remember the TV shows and the movies yeah. I've even seen at that age because I've always loved horror movies. Yeah, and then I'm like. This isn't matching what I'm seeing in the horror movies. Right. What's going on here? This, doesn't, this isn't right. This so isn't you were developing
1: hot. discernment at a very early
2: age. A very early age, learning to hear what the external voices were versus mine, what was my own imagination versus what was coming in, and what I was making up of the whole situation and realized that I actually had a co-creative power in the environment around me. Like That's a, powerful for I'm, a
1: little kid. I'm
2: sitting there going scared, then I could be bringing in something. And I'm like, no. There's nothing scary here. So let's tune into the thing that's yeah. really here yeah. and listen to that and be a part of that.
1: Okay. So was part of the relationship you had with your guides uh, working with precognitive information? Or were they sometimes given uh, advance, you know, heads up on something that was going to be occurring in your life or someone you loved or knew?
2: rarely did I get precognitive information rarely was i any any sort of prophecy type mm-hmm. thing which was kind of frustrating frustrating because i, was, oh, I loved would love yeah. to know yeah. but it was more of advanced training yes. like here's how consciousness works here's how spirituality the nature of reality and the,
1: the, those are the tools you were going to navigate with with the rest of your, for the rest of your life exactly yeah okay so you when you say you were connected with your guides from a very early age they were teaching you about the nature of reality and Tell us about those five levels of reality that you were trained in very early and came to flesh out and understand much more as you became an adult.
2: The best way I can understand that now is what we use the term densities. Mm-hmm. You know, like first density, stone. Second density are more of the plant-based. Third, animals. Then fourth is where we have this concept of me and who I am and time and how that works. Then five is where we are finally getting into the collective and aware of that collective. So it's more about the densities and energy Mm -hmm. levels, but they called them five worlds because that was the only way I could understand it Mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. And when I look back at it, that's right. It's like, it's a realm, it's its own reality. Mm -hmm. And then you get it to these other realms and realities. And if something is on like the first or second, they have no way of conceiving the fifth. And so it's just like this advancement process and realizing it, it really is the sixth, which is all encompassing that everything is the all and it comes from the all and it's all the same thing, just different densities of that, which we would perceive as a world as a realm, when it really isn't.
1: Yes, and when you're using the terminology such as realm, it can get into Hermetic and other texts that have to do with the realms of uh, being. Uh, the various realms of entities of higher and lower, Earth being somewhere in the middle in their, in their understanding of it. And that gets into a whole other connotation of realms because it's starting to bring in the nature of the learning or development of various species in various realms. And we are, we, we're very high, hierarchical by nature. Mm-hmm. I think human beings like to put everything in a category above and below. And it's been explained to me many times, it's not the right way to look at it. Each one's developing in its own right. We've all been part of much of it. But just to put that out there, some of what we'll talk about does have to do with our intermingling with realms that might be learning a different kind of lesson that has to do with usury of energy, that has to do with taking instead of giving. Mm-hmm. And then we have the higher realms, which are more of giving than taking. And we get to play in this middle with both sides all the time, and we see where we land, right? Exactly. And we're going to be talking about some of that. Excellent. OK, good. So and if you don't mind just introducing that part of it, is our play with the consciousness above and the consciousness below. Beyond the notion of the mineral kingdom, animal kingdom, and so forth.
2: Absolutely. One of the ways I like to think of this is that we are a complex being in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That we have a mental body and an emotional body. The mental body is great at organizing and putting information in a nice linear fashion. Where the emotional body is great with feeling and perceiving emotions. Mm -hmm. It has to do with memory. But then we have the... Ethereal body which relates to the physical body that they correlate one to another one happens to the other They both affect Mm -hmm. Then there is the causal body which is attuned to the people places situations that are drawn To you
1: talk about that a little more because that's one that a lot of people don't understand and it's not talked about as much The causal
2: body Yeah, the causal body is great because sometimes we see it as somebody's luck like if they're really lucky or if they're unlucky And it just comes down to what do you believe you deserve and what do you believe is right for you? How do you tune that one so that you have the right opportunities open to you? So if you feel that you're always in this state of desperation and a need and that nothing will ever come to you and you're really believing that, your causal body will get tuned to that. And then your reflection in the world around you will come back to you and you'll see that. And you're like, see, I don't get anything that I want. Nothing works out for me. It's your
1: path of causation. Exactly. Yeah. And and that is interesting because it times into not only your perception of self, which is very heavily driven by the subconscious, which is driven by past experiences, even past incarnations, but it's also down to such mystical things as timing. Timing is really big and we have our own issues with timing. Time seems to be the great enemy to humans because things don't happen the way we want it to when when we want it to happen, right? But if you can just Just be with timing and know when the windows open and close. Talk about timing in this. Yeah,
2: I love to refer that as synchronicity. Mm -hmm. When you're connecting with higher being and you're moving yourself into the higher state of mind, you're enacting your will, your purpose in the Mm -hmm. world, you're doing the right things in the right way for the right reason, timing of things just works out. It's like you don't have to push. You don't have to make things really happen because they just happen. And when we get into the magical realm, it's what I call the difference between operant versus transcendent magic. Operant magic is I'm doing the spell to get the right lover, the right car, the right job. Transcendent magic is I'm working on myself to bring myself to a higher state of being so that the right lover is drawn to me, the right job is drawn to me, the right car comes my way, and I don't have to chase those things.
1: No, you don't. Do you mind if I give one example in my own life where that happened that was so beautiful? I'll make it brief. I was speaking with my teachers, you know, in in the other realms, right? And they were saying, do something about the trees. And I thought, who me? Who are you talking to? What do you mean do something about the trees? And I love trees, but what am I supposed to do about the trees? So, you know, a little time passed, and suddenly this opportunity came to do a documentary based on a Pulitzer Prize-winning series called Sierra in Peril. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I was with PBS. I said, yes, let's do this thing. They they said, let's do it. Even though the timing was way off, environment wasn't in anymore, you know, recession and all that, let's do it. Money came quicker than anyone thought. And when it was time to start doing the project, everyone at every level of government, every agency said yes. Nice. And it ended up getting four Emmy nominations. I'd never done a, produced a documentary and I wrote it too. I hadn't done any of that before. Every force lined up that it was far exceeded everyone's expectations. And I thought back, when it was all over, you do something about the trees. And it was all about the trees and the water and air of the Sierra. And it was. It was, it was destined. It was programmed in me, so to speak. And there was nothing. No door was closed. There was no moment that wasn't opportune.
2: You were perfectly aligned with will, and everything just moved perfectly in place. Yeah,
1: that's one of those where I just look to it as an example of perfect timing. But what about the rest of your life? How are you on that in terms of synchronicity in living your own life?
2: Boy, wouldn't that be boring if everything was constantly (laughs) synchronous? That's one of the things I had to come to realize is, like, if I get a green light every time everywhere I'm going, where do I get to stop and mess with stuff, you know? and Just to have it take a break, where's the learning in that? If everything worked out so perfectly and smoothly, where's the learning, where's the challenge, where's that move to grow? And so sometimes even those blocks, even those hiccups are those things we need to go, oh, I hate this, this sucks, but wait a minute, what if this is part of my will to endure this challenge? Even if it's as horrible and awful as it is, what if my higher self came in and said, this is it, this is what I want to experience? So embrace a higher self, go into that moment and go, wow, I love this thing that sucks so bad. Yeah. And I'm going to get into this one. I'm going to hate every moment of it and then get through it. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Because the more you resist it, the more it's going to stick around. But if you embrace it and go, this really sucks. I hate it, but it's great. Then you get through it and you're like, whoa, what did I gain from that?
1: What did I gain from that? This happens a lot, especially, I don't mean to be sexist in saying this, a lot with women who are are trying to... uh, attract or even project onto the notion of a relationship. And when you're listening to your higher self, we mistake those messages, thinking that's the be-all and end-all. When oftentimes when we're given a message, it's only for your next step in life. Can you talk about this phenomena? Because people, "Mm, you said this was the one. Well, this was the one to learn this thing for right now, right? And some people say, oh, that's just excuse-making. Tell us why that's not excuse-making.
2: It's the context of the moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I've actually seen this. One of my craziest stories is I remember spending time setting up a seance for a client. We did this whole like maybe a half hour. She was really nervous, really kind of out of it, not into what we were doing. She just wanted to be out of there, but we did it. We finally got there. We did this whole setup and we got one word. I won't say the (laughs) word, but we got this one word and then the energy just like vaporized. We're like, what? But that one word she left there, leaving, i like, I'm sorry, frustrated, I know, but that's it. Two weeks later, she calls me that, this, and that, and this, and all because of that one word. It did this, it was life-changing. So in that sense, it was one word could change things. Right. And then other times when we're working with somebody, they're looking for that life-shattering, that life big thing. The one and thing. And I get like, well, here, just work on this tiny thing right here, right, right now. And I see their shoulders drop, and they're frustrated. And I'm like, I know. Just do this one thing right now, and then they'll come back later. I'm like, great, now we're gonna do this one thing next. Yeah. And then you realize you get to that big picture sometimes, right? Stepping stone, step by step by step. And I think that's important. Big boom.
1: Yeah, that's really important for people to realize everybody wants the big enchilada. They want the big the big passion and dharma. They want the big love. Everybody wants the big everything, right? And not stopping to think, we have our own developmental process. And you really work with people on the developmental process. Let me ask you a quick question before we go into the Claire's, yeah. okay? And that is, okay, when you say seance, are you the medium in the seance or is someone else the medium?
2: That's how I love doing seances is I, when I do like a group seance, yeah. it's two hours long. Yeah. I'll start off and I'll do it, yeah. but then I'll get people using the Ouija boards and the automatic yeah, it's writing. Yeah, so fun. And then eventually I just step back and I let everybody else do it. And then they walk away with a sense, wow, I can connect with the paranormal. I have this ability too. And that's really my subversive I think that's goal for great. it.
1: I love it. I love that everyone else gets to find their own empowerment in that story, rather than the one guru that's doing everything and dispensing all the wisdom and so forth through the beings that are on the other side. I love that. That's a great way to go about it. OK, yeah. let's start talking about the clairs.
2: All right. Isn't that okay. where we get our ears pierced?
1: Yeah, something like uh. that. Yeah, accessories.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about clairvoyance, clairsentions, clair-everything, clairaudience.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the senses what i have come to understand about this one as children we're born with our physical senses and our clair senses mm-hmm. and just like as kids we need to learn to develop our clair, our regular physical senses you know a baby may not be able to focus on an object until they get a little bit older cuz they're developing their physical sight eventually they'll make sense out of all the noise what's going on and be able to turn it into words and those words become things that they understand well when we come to the clair senses we have them turned on too just as much as our physical senses but we're not given the training to use them. If anything, the opposite. Hey, mom, I'm talking with this little boy over here. Oh, stop playing those games. Right. And meanwhile, the kids using clairvoyance and clairaudience, the ability to see mm-hmm. and hear and communicate with us, you know, even claircognizance to communicate and understand and mom and dad are just like, stop it. I don't want to hear these anymore. Because they're freaked out. They're scared. They don't want the neighbors to suddenly go, oh, you've got one of those weird kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, are you going to get them into therapy and medicine? Talk about crush the medicine? magic out of life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then as we go through life, you know, maybe we're in adulthood. And then we see something because something clicks on. We, and then we go to work the next day and we're like, oh, was it? My room last night, and this thing happened. And the like, oh, were you drinking and smoking again? And you were then we get teased and taunted, so yeah. we turn it off. But meanwhile, we have all of these abilities still within us, even as adults. Mm-hmm. They're still there; just we haven't developed them, we haven't used them, and we need to. Mm-hmm. And so, the clairs, clairvoyance is the ability to see. It's where you have it, it mimics the physical senses because it's like you can see. But when you have clairvoyance kick in you may or may not actually get a full visual image of it, but you may actually just be registering visual information.
1: Yes, and that I I noticed that for some people with their eyes open, they're actually seeing wisps and entities and the story playing out. For other people, like myself, when my eyes are closed is when I see things. And so then it's projecting that visual information there for you or drawing it from memory or whatnot. Right. So we're each different even on that one. Exactly. It
2: can come in different ways, full-blown visual in the Mm -hmm. mind, or just the visual impression of information that's right. there. Same way with Claire audience, the ability to hear. Mm-hmm. It can come as like full-blown sound, like somebody thinks they're having an audible hallucination. Yeah. Going, what what's going on? Yeah. And other people is like, well, no, I just kind of have like this feeling that I'm hearing a weird fuzzy buzzing sound that's mm-hmm. warbling. Both are valid expressions of it. Uh, then we get to Claire. But let's talk about yeah. the buzzy
1: chirping sound. Okay? Sure. So even through that you're understanding the information you're saying even in that case you're understanding the nature of the information coming through even if it just sounds wobbly and warbly right
2: yeah in fact what's fun about that is we can compare clairvoyance with clairaudience mm-hmm. maybe somebody's a visual learner versus an audible learner mm-hmm. and an entity comes into the room and the visual learner might be going well i see this fuzzy warbling kind mm-hmm. of blue object mm-hmm. and the other person's like no there's just this weird buzzing warbling sound uh-huh. i don't know what you're talking yeah. about well, they're both picking up on the same information. Mm-hmm. They're just interpreting it with their own clair senses, and they're having the same exact experience in their own unique way. Yeah. So let's go on with the clairs. We've got sure. two. Sure. cognizance is kind of that ability of knowing, and it can come as full-on telepathy, like you're having linear worded sentences yes. coming through, or it can be just like, how do I know what I know? There, there are different degrees of that one, but it's a great way of communicating, and it's a great way of trying to understand the beings that you're working with. Like a lower level being is gonna say the same thing over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again. A higher level being might only say one or two words. And I've noticed that the higher the level of being the less, the less they have, they to, have say
1: to say. It. Absolutely. But it's so
2: profound. That Absolutely. One word can change everything.
1: You're right. Absolutely. Actually, there's a little blue one over here right next to you. <laughs> I'm just seeing him Love a little it. distracted. Okay. Claire Cognizance yes. and clairsentience. What's the difference between those two?
2: Clairsentience from what I've come to understand is feeling the energy of a room mm. or the energy of what's going on around you. It, mm-hmm. It's a sentience is more of a feeling. Okay. Not to be confused with empathy. But the feeling, like you can feel if the energy of the room is stagnant oh, yeah. or if it's flowing mm. or what maybe like the vibe of the energy. Is it like a higher level vibe? Is it a lower level vibe? And you can even use your clairsentience to pick up if there are anomalies in the room, like mm-hmm. entities or beings, right. thought forms. So clairsentience is a way of getting out of the body and feeling the room and the air and energy around you. Mm-hmm.
0: Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today, they still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com.
2: Clear empathy. This is an important one to develop. It's
0: not one you really hear much about.
2: Right. Yeah. It's basically you're able to pick up the emotions of what's going on. And this is where a difference from clairsentience, where clairsentience is kind of like a feel, where clair empathy is where you have the emotional sense. And the reason why that's really important is let's say you have a being that you're talking with and it's saying something, but you're feeling in a different emotional level. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a great example of this one. Doing a little bit of seance on my own. I had these two skeletal scary figures walk into the room. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them, and I'm like, okay, what are you two doing? Because the feeling wasn't there. The empathy was not, I'm big and scary and threatening. The feeling was like, what are you doing in here? What's going on here? They were more kind of exploring, and I'm like, the image doesn't match the feeling. So mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? What are you kids doing? Because it feel, felt like kids after mm-hmm. a bit. And they took off their mask, and it's like a little boy and a uh-huh. little girl <laughs> kind of playing Halloween. And you're like, but we thought we had to be scary when we're doing these things. And I'm <laughs> like, no, it, it was just so cute, and it was yeah. so much fun. Conversely, you may have something coming through that may be trying to tell you something good, but you're getting like that bad vibe, that right. the emotion just isn't right. So if you're not getting coherence between the information coming through and the emotion, that should be like a big red Red flag flag, not to deal with it. And at the same time, sometimes a higher being will come in to do some scary stuff because sometimes fear could be used to put people on the right path and do the right thing. So it's not a good indicator all the time that you're dealing with something bad, Mm -hmm. but look at all of the things from the information coming through, the emotions coming through, the causal outcome from it, and what, what really is in in it for you, which is why I always tell people to test and validate everything that comes through. Yeah. You have a clear uh, spirit saying this one thing. Go out and test it. If you're feeling this, something about off. Go out and validate it. Yeah, validation. It.
1: And that's a really important part here. Because as people are starting to develop those senses, it's so easy to be dissuaded, so easy to be dissuaded, to succumb to ridicule or what from other people, you know, that don't go that direction. Yes. And so forth. And so it's very important for us to have self-validation. Let's talk about that for a moment. That is, those little steps, those little bits of validation are what give you the platform to grow and own it.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of the best things I love telling people for validation of your clair senses is trust the goosebump rush. Yeah. You know, when you feel that goosebump rush coming up over the back, that is actually your visceral nervous tr- system trying to communicate to you through your body hey, this is information. This is really valid. And that's what I tell people in seance when we're doing seance and you get this impression of something that you want to say and you're just about to say it, then you feel that goosebump rush, that's when you know you should be saying it because that's validation.
1: Absolutely. And then you can also, when you're shown something, and say, for example, it it is of a precognitive nature, that's just kind of low-hanging fruit, and then that thing happens the next day, or that Mm -hmm. person calls you in a few minutes, don't ignore those. Those aren't coincidences. Start looking at those as little moments of validation. I think a lot of validation that's happening, we walk right past. We don't register, or we just kind of blow off. And I think in this process of developing this, it's important not to blow these coincidences off.
2: Right. It's it's what I call the believing and seeing dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's you have to believe in it a little bit. So believe in yourself that you're getting some sort of information that you can validate. Yeah. Then you go out and you prove it, and now you've seen it. Yeah. You see it's there. Now, that actually goes back and reinforces your belief, so you believe it a little bit more. Yeah. Then you go out and you can see it more. And then you see it more, that validates even more. Yes. And I've developed that into a bit of a practice, let's say, using a pendulum. Mm-hmm. So if you use a pendulum and you're getting yes or no responses, and I've got some techniques to develop to work with a pendulum, but let's say you finally develop your yes or no responses. You're asking questions that you already know the answer to. You know This is a gray table, my feet are on the floor, my hair is blue, You're mm-hmm. able to, you're yeah. able to calibrate that. Then you go out and you ask a question you don't know the answer to, and then you put it away, go out, test and validate it. Then you keep doing that. Some yes, no answers that you know, and then the answers you don't know, you test and validate. Eventually, you're going to notice inside mm-hmm. something that feels yes and something that feels no, mm-hmm. and that is your intuitive hit. That's an intuitive response coming from the gut, that the visceral nervous system. Meanwhile, the brain is going, ich, ich, no, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't rational. This isn't logical. <laughs> yes, it, it's absolutely. dumb. I don't want to believe that one. Yeah. So that's where we, we look at that. We go, okay, well, my brain says, the logic reasoning says this isn't valid. But meanwhile, your intuition is going ding, 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 ding. So you do the pendulum, you build your yes, no responses. You go out in the world and go, oh, that was right. Oh, that was right. That builds that trust between the visceral and the cognitive so that now you know when you feel this one thing, There we go. That's my validation, and that's all I need to do. That's all you need. Now I go prove it.
1: And the word you use is exactly the one I was going to bring up, trust, which even spills over into faith of sorts. So I totally have faith that it's all going to work through. I'll listen to the signs along the way, and I'll end up in the right destination. That's a matter of almost faith. But... There's a fine line between trust and faith. I'm sure somebody could, a linguistic scholar could go ahead and and break that down for us. But I find the feeling of trust and moves into the feeling of faith, so to speak. And one of the things about a pendulum, uh, validating what you're talking about, when I had Conscious Media Network, we go to these big conferences, right? You know. Spiritual life Expo or whatever it was, and I have to try to really quickly get people to agree to an interview between things and it's a it's a madhouse right everybody's has schedules to meet, and it got so crazy I thought I can't do this with my mind, so I get a pendulum out, go over the faces on the roster and try to disconnect what my mind knew about the people mm-hmm. and I was always surprised it's like but that's not someone I would normally choose you know from what I'm interested in. Or someone else absolutely need to talk to her and it'd say, no, what well, would turn out something interesting, like their plane was leaving right after their talk, and we would have never been able to schedule it. I'd find out after. I'm just saying how perfect it is if you leave it to this higher part of your being to discern this information. It worked like a dream. It was so easy to work at conferences after that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Pendulums are a great way oh, of they building really that are. paranormal awareness. Yeah, and and anyone
1: can do it. Yep. Anyone can work with them. What are some of the other modalities you like to work
2: with besides the pendulum? Besides the pendulum, I love the black mirror.
1: Oh, well, tell us about the, the black, black mirror. The black
2: mirror is my favorite seance tool. I was just using it last night, in fact. It's nothing more than just a piece of paint and glass. That's all it is. It's just a frame. You know, you go to a, a, a hobby store, and you can just buy one of those picture frames, and you spray paint the ba- back of it with black paint. That's all it is. But in the ritual setting, when you get your mind into it, Tuned into it, it becomes a portal. It will connect you to other realms, other worlds, other people, and they can come through now and you can connect. Energy goes back and forth both ways, communication goes both ways through it. Connect with higher beings, exchanging energy through it, and getting these higher level transmissions through the black mirror.
1: Why the black mirror? I mean, does it get to the point you don't need the black mirror? You just set your mind in that place and you can do it
2: anyway, right? I love the visual th- dimensional shift that it gives. Okay. Because when you look through the black mirror in a dark room, it does look like a mirror. You can still see, you know, the room. You can still see yourself in there, but you can transform your visual perception from like 3D to 4D to 5D. I can't explain it because it. Though times where the mirror is here, but then when I'm working with it it's here it will shift in size mm-hmm. and then sometimes it'll go small mm-hmm. the colors that come through i can never tell you if they're green blue brown or yellow or whatnot but the colors are so vivid they're not, they're not a color i've ever seen in my entire life it's vivid it's bright it's in there if you want to do shape-shifting work imagine this you can stand in front of the mirror and see yourself how you want to see yourself like as an animal form or an ideal body shape and you can see it transform in the mirror, which affects the ethereal body, which then goes affects the physical body. So now you're integrating. Like if you want to be the bear, so you're more big and bold mm-hmm. and boisterous. You see yourself as a bear in the mirror, then you can feel it, you absorb it, and you're now the bear. There's so much you can do with so a black. So is this mirror.
1: a long initiation process, or can anybody go and what you say go to a hobby store, mm-hmm. get a frame that has a background to it, right, and you mm-hmm. paint the background black. That's it? That's it. OK. And so you go into a dark room or a darkened room?
2: Mm-hmm. OK. I prefer completely dark if and you And then
1: where, where do you set your intention? Where does your mind go with this?
2: You definitely want to set sacred space. You mm-hmm. definitely want to set sacred space around you, within you. When I teach it, I've got a five-week course where we go through a whole process. It might turn it into a weekend workshop, where we go through a whole process of learning, learning to tune in, learning to connect, learning to ground, and go through the mirror and be there. Raymond Moody, though, has a different method. Yeah, what's his? He's got what I would describe as a little Harry Potter closet with a black he really, mirror in there.
1: Raymond Moody? Raymond Moody. He it, does the black mirror he thing? He does. Oh, I didn't he know that He calls it a
2: psychomantium. Him. I love it. And what he'll do is if somebody has experienced someone who has recently died yeah. and they're feeling loss, uh-huh. or, and they haven't maybe worked through their grief, they'll spend some time outside of the room talking about this person, connecting with their feelings and their memories of them. And then he'll invite them into this place, Mm -hmm. which is sacred and they're in a higher state of mind. And to be there and think about that person and connect with that energy. And sometimes they'll see that person come through the mirror or other people will come through the mirror. They'll have a connection, they'll have a conversation. They'll be in the presence of that person again for that time that they're in that room with the black mirror. Because it distorts our sense of reality, or our sense of mind. Mm-hmm. But if we're tuned into that person that we want to connect with, we remember what it feels like to be in their presence and what it was like to be love, feel that love with them, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we're there. And that black mirror helps shift our perspective so we can actually perceive them and experience them again.
1: Interesting. And what about the notion of the fear factor of people where I'm new age and I want to do everything in light. And I don't want to be in a darkened room, and I don't want to be with a dark mirror. And you, you have very two distinct uh, mindsets in the mm-hmm. field of paranormal and phenomena. Um, a lot of them, there's a whole group of ascension folks, and then there are the magic folks and so forth. But one thing that, that is common to both groups is there can be fear when engaging with these things. And often mm-hmm. that fear comes from... Other times, but is still contained within the being. So let's talk about that phenomena for those who are listening, thinking, I kind of like to
2: do it, but it kind of sounds scary. Fear is an important thing to address when we're talking about the paranormal and paranormal awareness. And it's because we were brought up, all of us in this society, in this culture, to be afraid of the paranormal. We've seen the TV shows. We've seen the movies.
1: Well, the exorcist certainly nailed the lid on that coffin for a lot of
2: people and we've, carry. <laughs> we've had the community leaders tell us this is yeah. evil and bad. We've had the church leaders pounded yeah. into our brains. Then when we talk to our friends, our peers, we get laughed at and ridiculed. We don't want to be cast at. Our parents tell us to shut, shut up. I don't want to hear it anymore, none of this. So we have grew up with fear, and we, we instantly associate anything with a paranormal fear-based. And let me give you an example of how this is unfortunate. Let's say you're at home just having a nice, quiet night. And then all of a sudden, something moves on the table. Let's say you have a, a glass of water on the table, and you see the ripples on the water glass, and you're like, what is that? And then all of a sudden, the table that it's on starts to go a little mm-hmm. bit, you're like, hmm. mm-hmm. you're going to go, you know, oh, wow, we need to call the exorcist. We need to get them yeah. in here. Meanwhile, it probably is just some little kid going, what's that? Through. Hey, yeah. let's play with this. What? What is that? And so you're going to call the exorcist to get a kid out of there? It's like... Because it's no. so
1: misunderstood. Yeah. The multidimensionality, I, I've said this many times, there is a, a civilization could live in the palm of your hand in one dimension. And if we could see all the dimensions interpenetrating where we are right now, all the host of different kind of beings in the space between you and I, we'd probably go mad. There's a reason dimensions Shoot. are full stop. You, know, you don't bleed <laughs> through to the others unless you have certain talents and skills and choose to. Right. Right. So there's a reason, I mean, that is our protective shield, is to not be able to go insane with everything going on. That's not our dimension to learn in. That's not our playground, it's someone else's playground. But like you're saying, not to be afraid of the fact that other people are in their playground that might affect ours to an extent. Right,
2: yeah, it's just, we live in a completely paranormal world. I do think the paranormal's all around us all the time. Spirits are everywhere, you know. In this room here, there's a few little things that aren't human. There is one person just kind of walking around. He's just like over here. Like you said, you saw the little blue thing. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Right. And if we're afraid of it, we're tuning it out. We're blocking it out. We're not inviting it as a part of our life. And you're right. There are like so much could be going on that it's just hard to tune it (laughs) It out. It's just so much out there. And
1: sometimes it can be disconcerting when you're first waking up to all this. And I remember a few decades ago when I was kind of really awakening myself to all this, someone used to pet my hair a lot they come and they just be... I could feel them petting my hair, and at first I'd kind of get the shivers, and then I thought, well, that's okay, you're not doing anybody any harm. And then after a year or two, that wore off and other phenomena happened. And I think once you open this door, it's perfectly natural to start becoming aware of what's surrounding you that we have been blind to. And, you know, you strike me as a, for lack of a better word, from your deeper past, more of a druidic type of magician. And so let's talk about the way magic interfaces with all of this and what that means. A lot of people are afraid of the word magic mm. because they're doing they have a connotation of black magic, but white magic is certainly as powerful, if not more powerful, in the end. So let's talk about that, where magic comes into all of this.
2: Absolutely, it's all a a part of it. Mm -hmm. Because the way I refer to runes as my primary way of working Mm -hmm. is that runes are the subtle connections between the subtle parts of our mind and the subtle parts of reality. Mm -hmm. And if we can tune into those runes and tune into that subtle part of our mind, we can then shift how the reality is that we are experiencing and that we're working with. And in essence, that's all that magic is, is whenever we have an idea that we want to manifest and come into the world, We do the things that make it seem possible and seem real to us, Mm -hmm. and that's what magic is. And we go out into the world and we make it happen. And so light magic, dark magic, white magic, black magic, all that doesn't matter. What really matters is what do we have going on here? Mm -hmm. What is it we want to see, feel, and experience? And then when we go into the ritual chamber, there's some meditation, sure. There's some setting of sacred space so that we get our mind in tune to things but it's really coming down to that moment of experience. Yes. What do we experience? What do we see? What's there? Great. And I want to put that energy into those runes, into this amulet, into the talisman, into whatever it is, and then I'm going to let it do its thing, and then I'm going to go off into the world and do my thing. Right. And that's all magic Yeah,
1: it is. It's really just the manifestation, uh, the manifestation beyond the physical realm. You can say from the paranormal realm into the physical realm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say, wow, they have a magical life, but it's just what you said a moment ago. It's being in synchronicity with all of these different aspects of self that allow these things to come to fruition, which I, many would perceive to be against the odds. And that's called magic, just because it's against what we expect here in these third-dimensional third dimensional bodies. So one of the things I wanted to talk about before we wrap our conversation up is what I, I said in the very beginning, which is these times right now have a very chaotic feeling to them. Mm-hmm. And my understanding from Vedic astrology, this could go on for several more years, this mm-hmm. time of coming unglued so we can reconstitute ourselves collectively and individually. But these crazy energies, the, the confusion, the conflicting information in the field, is affecting the earth herself, and it's a feedback loop between us. So let's talk to people about how we can start taking back our subtle energies, how we can start reframing them to embody ourselves again in a more powerful way.
2: Absolutely. And you're right. There's a lot of stuff going on. And this is why I'm trying to help people develop more of their awareness of the paranormal that's going on around us. Is if you were unaware of the influence upon you and upon the world around you, you are subject to it. You just think that's the way the world works, so that's how it is. And I'm under the belief that 90% of the thoughts and emotions we experience are not self-generated. Mm-hmm. They come from the world around us. We're going to walk through energy fields that have different vibes to it, different emotional patterns. Dream world, right. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk through reality tunnels and reality bubbles that exhibit a whole state of reality and existence, and it causes that feedback loop. Within all of that, though, are various entities, various beings, Most are human-generated. They're like tulpas or egregores. Egregores, absolutely. Where we have our collective belief, our collective fear, and then they're going to go to those minds of people who are unaware of them and then whisper, hey, wouldn't it be a good idea to do this? Because you'll get this power, you'll get this money, you'll get this recognition, so go do that thing. They don't know that it's not a self-generated thought or emotion. They're going to go, wow, i want to be awesome for doing this, so I'm going to go do that. Meanwhile it's caused a detriment to so many other people. And they're like, but yeah, hey, look what you're getting out of it. So there's like this weird cyclical thing going on.
1: We've got some weird egregores out there right now.
2: Big time, big time egregores all over the place. And unfortunately they are whispering into the minds of some people in powerful positions. Oh my gosh, boy and are it's they. it's really scary. And so if we can develop our awareness to be aware, like, ooh, there's an egregore, there's a tulpa messing with these people there oh, there's this energy pattern that I'm feeling that's not mine, we go into like the state of meta consciousness, where we are aware of our awareness, Right. where we are like the inner observer, where we can know, oh, I just walked through an energy field. That's not my energy. I don't want it. Oh, I'm hearing this whisper in my mind. I'm no, hearing this influence. Nope, I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with that one. Oh, they're acting that way because they're getting this influence. Got it. I know to step away from that. If you don't have that awareness, if you don't have that ability to see the paranormal around you through your clairvoyance, your clairaudience, your clairgustance, you aren't tuning into that, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's yours. You don't know what's external. You just think, well, this is the right thing to do. This is the only thing to do. So I'm going to go do it. Meanwhile, people could be getting hurt. Your life could be falling apart. Oh, absolutely. And you don't know why. It's because the subtle influence comes in.
1: So to know where those incongruities are, it's like, hey, this is passing through, but your body is responding to, your body has massive intelligence. Your body is like tightening up and I hear you, but this doesn't feel good honoring that. These are the things we bypass a lot too. Mm -hmm. And it's easy when you're in a state of mass confusion, when literally the masses are confused because we're being given such conflicting, manipulative information from so many sources now. That's right. So in confusion, you can be easily programmed. I think it's very important now to listen to your body, the body's intelligence.
2: That's what's great about the pendulum. Yes. Is because your body has that intelligence, that intuitive response, Mm -hmm. it can connect to that paranormal situation. And you hear somebody saying, you should go do this one. Well, check in your body. Are you getting the yes, no response? If you're not getting that clarity, then when you go back to the pendulum, you're going back to the idiomuscular responses that are connected to the subconscious parts of your body Mm -hmm. so that the conscious mind can then finally pick up on that one because you're finally seeing the movement of the pendulum that goes, no, that's not the right thing to do. And I don't need to know why. I just, it's not the right thing to do. It's like, because intuition, the pendulum, okay, I'm not following that. So wherever that came from, I don't want that go away. Right.
1: And just one other teeny little story before we go. I used to have a hypnotherapy clinic, and I really loved working with performance issues in terms of athletes and such, but also uh, took a lot of people onto other life journeys and so forth. But one thing that I started doing that was fascinating, to your point, was I worked with the idiomotor response, classic, classic, you know, hypnosis uh, technique, without words, Mm -hmm. where I project mind to mind, and then their bodies would twitch their yeses and noes to me and develop a dialogue with their conscious mind not knowing anything. And it was amazing in the effects that it had because there was no- nothing to interfere with their deeper desires to perform or whatnot. And so the body, just like the pendulum, it showed itself.
2: That's right, we're all connected.
1: <laughs> I it. Exactly, I absolutely loved working like that. Any final thoughts before we go,
2: Kedrick? The final thoughts that I want for everyone to be able to learn is to take some time, no matter what practice you have for spirituality, no matter what paths you follow, just with you, take time to go in, learn your own inner world. Mm -hmm. Learn to get to this place that I call the inner observer. It's where you, the way you'll know it is you will know your thoughts, you will know your emotions, you will know your bodily sensations, but they're not a part of you. You're able to observe them, but you are not observing yourself. You can just observe. When you get to this inner observer place, that's where you can go, oh, this is mine. That's mine. Oh, that's not mm-hmm. mine. So just Very important right now. Right. And it, it comes down, the way you get there is you feel what you're feeling. You feel your emotions. You recognize your thoughts. And if this works great if you're one of those people that overthink and think too much and yes. think, think, because you can be aware of all of those thoughts and just look at it, look at it, look at it. And then that moves you to the central part of your being where you go, okay, I can see my head going with all those thoughts and I can feel these emotions about it. And I'm feeling the chair, I'm feeling the floor, but I'm observing these things. And like, oh, what is that energy pattern moving through the room? That will suddenly Becoming click the observer. On. And then and, you'll feel that whisper coming in and you're like, that wasn't mine. Yeah.
1: Very important, because right now a lot of it's not ours, okay? That's right. And just for people that don't know what egregore and Tulpa is, these are thought forms generated by enough people that they become their own entity in essence. Exactly. Right. And so I think that the validation you talked about, just to recap, valid- listening to ourselves, watching these coincidences, don't dismiss them. They're not coincidences per se. All of this self-validation. I, I love everything you had to say, and... Uh, <laughs> I would love to see one of your seances one day where everybody's having at it. That sounds fun.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, got one coming up here real soon. All
1: right, good, good going. Thank you so much, Kedrick, for coming back with me. I really appreciate
2: it. Awesome, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful.
1: Kedrick is offering classes and offers other tools as well through his website, Kedrick, K-A-E-D-R-I-C-H.com. If you enjoyed this talk, you can also see my previous interview with Kedrick in the Gaia archives. Also, my interviews with Gene Slater on the use of divination with pendulums. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com. And watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.